welcome to my podcast. It's called Robin's Fit Nest. I think primarily because of the nesting and my name is Robin and I just thought it would be um, a fun name to call it so that we can all feel like we're in a comforting nest and um, really it's just time to settle down and <laughs> talk about what's top of my mind today. So enjoy. Welcome back everybody. I know it's been quite some time. Um, I've been back in the UK visiting my kids. Never dull. <laughs> um, I'm actually going home to Canada tomorrow, but um, I thought I'd just try and take this opportunity to um, record this one. What I was going to say, um, as far as being away a lot, <laughs> experience brings knowledge and the experiences we've had this time have been invaluable in so, so many ways. Uh, we traveled together, Nikki and Abby and I, um, for the first three days to Copenhagen, where we had never been. And the culture, the city, the people, the food, the conviviality, <laughs> If for better, for better uh, use of a better word. Um, anyway, we enjoyed every single minute of it. And I can't, I, I'm so strange. Whenever I go to a new city, I try and draw comparisons with other cities I've been to, which is just very strange. But And so in as much as I found many similarities to other cities, but the subtle and nuanced differences are what make every country and every city unique and wonderful in their own way and only to understand once experienced, in my opinion. Then after those three days, we came back to the UK and down to Cornwall for four days after a short few nights in London. Um, Cornwall holds a piece of my heart and I'm sure everyone's heart who's ever been there. It is oh so very hard to get to. Well, not hard, but it takes a long time. Um, we drove five hours and I use the term we loosely because it was me who drove the whole way to get to Paul Perrow where we stayed, which is actually, um, quite a sort of Northern part of Cornwall. And you can, you know, go right down to the Southern tip of Cornwall, which is even further, um, driving time. Like it's, it's a long way down. Anyway, I think to what I think what spoke to us all the most about our few days down there was, and I speak for all of us, um, the close-knit community and the friendliness of everyone to we outsiders or Londoners. Um, of course, the incredibly rugged and wild coastline, which we all admitted separately, it conjures up thoughts of the Spanish Armada, the Roman conquerors, the Vikings, and really, most of all, just the life of a fisherman in those cold and unforgiving waters as many little fishing boats are around and especially Nick my son talked to um fishermen who you know had stories to tell the pubs of course provide the necessary refreshment the local fish and seafood the warm home-cooked meals and and the local obviously ales and ciders keep the chill away we felt like part of the local crew and the live music brought everyone even closer, with puppies being introduced, old friends and new reconnecting, and for us, family times to be treasured. 
So back in London now, and I wrote this a week ago. <laughs> so anyway, it was to slow down for a week and just cook, walk, and be, which I definitely did. The house we are staying in is an Airbnb, but it's the most interesting and excitingly historical place to stay. It feels like a mixture of faded grandeur, incredible family memories, historical moments, and so much literature and history. I had no idea whose house we were going to be living in this week, but found out soon after we arrived that he is a gentleman in his 80s, widowed, with two sons slightly younger than I am. The family grew up in this house, and the pictures, memorabilia, and family treasures are so prolific that it is hard to see the wood for the trees. What I find interesting to think about and muse over, really, and this is where the title of today's podcast comes in, um, is how in my world, and I would imagine in many of yours, we are all about minimalism and getting rid of the stuff, clearing off cluttered surfaces, placing a strategic fake orchid or candle on a shelf, and perhaps one, maybe two, carefully and classically framed pictures, which have been no doubt taken by a professional photographer. Uh, Gone are the days of collages with all the fun, candid shots that really tell a story. Gone are the days of plonking down a trinket just because it brings back a happy, happy memory. Does this mean that we're allowing ourselves, let alone the newer generations, to forget the history of our lives and families? I somehow think so. And just bear with me here because I, I know it's probably not entirely true, but just feeling the difference in this house to, uh, you know, uh, all of our homes and the way we are. Anyway, the incredible mosaic of our ancestry, um, the mothering of our great-great-grandmothers, which is passed down from generation to generation. How do we even know how closely our behavior may reflect theirs? What we do now that our mothers did, that their mothers did, their mothers did, and so on and so on. Fathers included in this as well, of course, in the same and different ways. Another thing that really struck me is that this home, and I use that word with intention as this is not a house by any means, it is truly a home, is so crammed full of books. You can't walk a step without being distracted by another one. Absolutely incredible, truly. That, of course, is coming from a girl who has loved reading since day one. I used to get through books like others get through a tub of ice cream, for want of a better comparison. <laughs> what it has made me think about, though, is how, again, in my world, and probably in many of yours, we are constantly editing our books, giving them away, and making sure that we only keep the ones that look good on the shelf that we will read again, or use like cookbooks, or that have a special meaning. This home is full of books that have clearly been in the family for hundreds, literally hundreds of years, as well as not so long, but yeah, just every description from trashy novels to Winnie the Pooh to um, historical whatever, to cookbooks, like uh, you name it, it's here. An inscription in one book I picked up read, 
Robert Heathcote from His Loving Wife, December 25th, 1878. Apart from anything else, the inscription, clearly written in brilliant cursive and in a fountain pen, something rarely seen or used these days, although I hasten to mention that I went through a phase of only using a fountain pen when I was about 12 or 13. Does that date me? Or was I just a slightly old-fashioned girl? (laughs) Probably a bit of both. Anyway, apart from that, though, what wife these days refers to themselves as a loving wife? (laughs) Not that there aren't plenty of loving wives out there, but it's so great to remember these turns of phrases and ways of writing and talking in our own native language that are now outdated and never or rarely seen anymore. Anyway, back to this book, which the loving wife, she never signed her name, so I'm not sure who she was, gave to Robert, is called, the book is called Handley Cross, or Mr. Jorick's Hunt, and it has the teeny tiniest printing, writing, whatever, um, inside that you've ever seen, and it is 550 pages long. It begins with these few sentences, like the very beginning of the book. When Michael Hardy died, great was the difficulty in the Vale of Sheepwash to devise how the farmer's hunt was to be carried on. Michael, a venerable sportsman of the old school, had long been at the head of affairs and without paying all expenses, had enjoyed an uninterrupted uninterrupted sway over the pack and country. Unquote. Uh, it's just not particularly, it doesn't really draw you in, in my opinion. Anyway, the end of the book, and I don't want to give anything away, but I will. The last few sentences are, Mr. Jorick's county is full of foxes, many of which he hopes to make cry capevi, which I did look up. It's Latin, meaning to capture. And as the ordnance headbashers have made hunting comparatively easy where they have carried out their operations, he anticipates being able to scramble about in tolerable safety. He has begun greening his breeches' knees among the hazel bushes, cub hunting, and arranged his meats for the first week in November, of which he has kindly sent us the following card. And there follows a drawing of a hunt invitation card. Well, all I could think is what on earth the other 549 pages can be about that would hold anyone's attention is beyond me. But also begs the question, how much have we changed as a society and a people? How much more sophisticated, or dare I say unsophisticated, are we now? And it just made me think on to, or sort of muse on the remembering about the remembering of our own pasts let alone our ancestors pasts let alone society's past is invaluable in my opinion and i would call that loving or respecting the past obviously living in the past and making irrelevant comparisons from the past to the present is not always a healthy way to think or live times are different Society has changed and moved forward in so many ways, whether good or bad, that's another podcast. But healthy respect and understanding of the wonders of history 
of our people, of our nations, and of a society in general is incredible to think about, to wonder about, and mostly to talk about. Anyway, I want to somehow pull this rambling thought dump together somehow with something for you to take away with you. And I will start with the thought that we all need to step back from our fierce and ongoing editing of our lives and our belongings and be more gentle with ourselves and graceful with our memories and special things. They may not look perfect on our shelves or on our walls, but they make up who we are. And it doesn't always matter. Um, I found an interesting quote online from Arcadia Publishing about why we should respect history, which says, history makes us better decision makers. And I'm thinking, uh, bear in mind, uh, sorry, I've interrupted myself, but this is our own history, not necessarily history, you know, the history that we read about in history books. So think about it in that way. History makes us better decision makers. It helps us understand the many reasons why people may behave the way they do. As a result, it helps us become more compassionate as people and more impartial as decision makers. Interesting. Anyway, I think quotes are not really necessary to round this one off. But I will finish by saying, brush the dust off anything you have kept. Remember what it was that you loved about it. Tell your family, share your stories, and remember and love your past. Have a great week and uh, hopefully I'll be back in a week. We can always cross our fingers. Okay, bye. Oh, before you go also, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please let me know and share this podcast with everybody. And also um, find me on Instagram at Robin's Fitness. Okay, thanks. Bye.